Welcome to Working in the Weeds. I'm Christine Krebs, the Education and Training Specialist out here at the UF IFAS Center for Aquatic and Invasive Plants. Today I'm talking to Dr. Ben Sperry. Dr. Sperry earned his bachelor's and master's degrees from the University of Florida Agronomy Department, then went on to Mississippi State University to earn his PhD in weed science, focusing mostly within agricultural systems. During his time at Mississippi State, Dr. Sperry became connected with aquatic plant researchers at the Army Corps Engineer Research and Development Center in Vicksburg, Mississippi. There, he started his career in aquatic weed science. Dr. Sperry likes to say he traded in his tractor for an airboat. Born and raised in Florida, Dr. Sperry grew up fishing, salt, and freshwater systems. And today, he's proud to work at the federal and state level in aquatic plant research. As a research biologist for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Research and Development Center stationed here in Gainesville, Dr. Sperry collaborates with UF faculty and mentor students while coordinating research projects that relate to national and statewide aquatic plant management issues. So with that, let's dive into my conversation with Dr. Ben Sperry. All right, Dr. Sperry, thank you so much for agreeing to sit down with us today and jump on the podcast. I'm glad to be here, Christine. Yeah. Have you ever been on a podcast before? I have not. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to podcasts? I, I do. A very educational podcast. Everything is centered around science. Oh. Uh, I can't stand not to be learning all the time. I, I'm sensing a little bit of sarcasm. Would you like to <laughs> tell me what you really do like to yes, listen to? <laughs> the trash TV version of podcasts, murder <laughs> mysteries, oddities. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I, I love Crime Junkie as well, so I can resonate with that. So by working at the center, I've noticed that you're kind of affiliated with the Army Corps of Engineers and also with UF. And so can you explain to our listeners what that role looks like for you at the center? Sure. It is definitely out of the ordinary. I am a research biologist employed by the Army Corps of Engineers, Engineer Research and Development Center. I'm part of a larger team, the Aquatic Plant Management Team, which is home-based in Vicksburg, Mississippi. But because there are so many aquatic plant management issues in Florida, they deemed it necessary that they station a scientist here at the center. So when you say the Army Corps of Engineers and the research arm, can you describe what the Army Corps of Engineers is and what they do? I've heard of it growing up, you know, but again, exactly what they do is is unclear to me. Sure. So the Army Corps of Engineers is a entity within the Department of the Army. So Department of Defense, Department of the Army, the Corps of Engineers, they do things from battlefield type construction projects to critical infrastructure. A lot of engineering concepts come from the Corps, right? Mm -hmm. Since the late 1800s, they have also been charged with management of national waterways, plant management being a major part of that. So that's where aquatic plants enter. Historically, a lot of the aquatic weed control efforts and problems have been spearheaded by the Corps of Engineers. Yeah. So for our listeners, thinking of the Army Corps of Engineers as this group of scientists and engineers and researchers that do these large scale problems for the nation. Right. And Ben or Dr. Sperry just happens to be a aquatic plant management specialist scientist researcher here in Gainesville, working closely with the researchers here at the center, but then also with his partners in Vicksburg. And if you guys remember listening to our previous episode about the Green Menace, you'll hear that the federal legislation put the Army Corps of Engineers in charge of navigation and water ways in the late 1800s. And so this is kind of how it's connected. And Ben is now kind of the modern aspect of that story. And he's bringing that research back to life here at the center in Florida. Right. Is that kind of a good way of putting it? Uh, that That was a great explanation. Fortunately, the University of Florida 
accepts, you know, sort of visiting scientists or affiliate faculty. So I hold what they call a courtesy faculty appointment. So I can train students and serve on committees. I can uh, help teach a class if I'd like to. But really the, the purpose of that type of position is to have several scientists in the same place, right, that are doing the same thing and establishing that collaboration and, and building opportunities between scientists. Yeah. For example, you and Dr. Prince, Dr. Candace Prince, collaborate often and have current projects that you guys are working together on, right? So, Correct. Okay. Correct. Cool. Yeah. So, um, for example here, Dr. Prince trains students and she teaches a lot. She specializes in certain types of research. I am seeing kind of the bigger picture stuff nationally with the core and can bring certain projects to her attention that if she sees is important, she can show interest and have a student work on that project and everybody, you know, everybody wins in terms of science. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think for our listeners, it's important to remember that science is is honestly like this ongoing large group project that is only stronger when there's more people involved that have their all their skill sets come together. So Ben is kind of this sort of liaison between the federal needs for aquatic plant management and bringing it here to the center. So with that, do you want to just tell our listeners a little bit about your educational background? Where did you go to school? What brought you to this field? Sure. So again, a uh, interesting story here. So my background is actually in agronomy. So row crops, corn, cotton, peanuts, uh, that sort of thing. And I was trained as a row crop weed scientist. Did my bachelor's and master's here at the University of Florida in the agronomy department and then went on to Mississippi State for a PhD. There I worked with uh, soybeans and, and some of the bigger weed problems in a soybean cropping system. Most of that research was focused on integrated weed management, so using multiple different tools or techniques to manage uh, row crop weeds, so things like uh, cover crops and different types of conservation tillage, as well as herbicides. Mm -hmm. So obviously those systems heavily rely on herbicide use. Uh, so I have a, a slightly different background than a lot of folks do in aquatic plants, what we call traditional weed science. And then essentially moving into natural systems, those same concepts apply. You just have to learn the new system, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk about going from row crop weed control to aquatic plant management or natural area weed control, you are shifting from a system where we're trying to kill all weeds and save one species, your crop, to something in a natural area where we're usually only targeting one or two weed species and preserving uh, an entire suite of non-target or native plant species. So that's the big paradigm shift in terms of those two realms and, and your management goals. Yeah. So for our listeners, uh, Dr. Sperry explained it really well. I just want to clarify, you know, when you're in agronomy and you're working with the crops, you want to save the one crop that you're trying to grow and, and successfully harvest. Then, you know, in a natural system like a lake or a state park where all of these dynamics are at play, you want the quote unquote natural space to flourish and have biodiversity. You're kind of only attacking one problematic plant, those invasive plants mo more likely. And so saving the rest there. So it's kind of exactly like you said, almost opposite. What was that like for you? What brought you into this world of aquatic plant it was, management? It was extremely uh, intimidating <laughs> mm -hmm. just in terms of my formal training, but also backing up a step. Before I really got into research as a student, I had several summer jobs, internships here at the University of Florida that were 
uh, ecology-based, worked for the city of Gainesville for a summer controlling cattails, actually, when they were constructing a uh, treatment wetland out in Payne's Prairie. So I actually had sort of a uh, working experience background in aquatics and, and invasive plants, but my formal training was actually in row crops. So I, I got an early, you know, taste of invasives. But to, so your second question there, how, what interested uh, me in this field? So I was always interested in it, but it's always been small. It's, it's a hard field to get into compared to row crop weed science. There's jobs all over the country, right? Mm-hmm. But I'd say the job found me before I found it. So I had connections here at the University of Florida from being a student here. Jay Farrell was actually my major professor for my master's, and he had transitioned into uh, as the center director. Meanwhile, being stationed at Mississippi State, I had developed some connections there with the Army Corps Engineer Research and Development Center in Vicksburg, which is only about two hours away. So it was kind of just this natural culmination of uh, networking and the opportunity came up. They said I could move back to Florida. So I said, well, I'll, uh, you know, trade in a tractor for an airboat. and <laughs> Let's go after it. Wow. We have the podcast episode title. <laughs> <laughs> And so speaking of enjoying Florida and the outdoors, I know from working alongside you that you enjoy the outdoors and fishing and stuff. So how does that, you know, working in aquatics and also enjoying the aquatic environment, what is that like for you? It's uh, it's interesting. It's it's kind of a spoiler, though. So I'm an avid fisherman, fresh and saltwater. I grew up in, in Citrus County, Florida, which is the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have... Uh, Salapapka chain and, and several major recreational rivers in the county and you're usually 20, 30 minutes away from the Gulf, anywhere you are. But growing up, you know, I, I saw plant diversity, submerged emergent plants all over the place. And it was almost had a sense of plant blindness. I knew there were certain plants that grew underwater, certain plants that floated on water and you just dealt with them. That was part of the environment, right? Entering into this research role, you obviously have to know a lot more details about those plants and then there's just plants underwater and plants growing on top of the water, right? (laughs) So now I can't help but go fishing and, you know, get distracted identifying all these different plant species and seeing what kind of uh, critters are, are occupying those habitats. And it really distracts me from my recreation, (laughs) but, uh, no, it's a, it's an interesting role to be in because you're never separated from what you do. It's and not to say that's a bad thing. Yeah. I've taken a dendrology class or a plant ID class and now I go on walks and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't unsee it. <laughs> <laughs> but I also know that you went and recently spoke at Bassmaster Classic, right? So yes. what was that opportunity like? What, why were you invited? What was it like kind of meeting all these huge fishermen? Sure, sure. So Bass Association. Okay. Uh, B-A-S-S. They have a conservation summit meeting at their classic. And the classic is, you know, the prestigious selective tournament at the end of their quote unquote season every year. Well, this year it was held in Greenville, South Carolina. They have a history of connections with aquatic plant management societies. They reached out, said, who do you guys have in the industry that would like to come and talk and give us an update or from the plant management side of things? So myself and Brett Hardis, who is a plant manager for Duke Energy, 
up in uh, North Carolina. We traveled to the Conservation Summit together and gave some update talks. So my role was to kind of give a national scope on what current and upcoming weed problems there are, what to look out for, who to, who to reach out to, because the audience was really uh, made up of their conservation directors. So it's a pretty slick organization. I know that they, they play a role in the local bass fishing clubs and they host tournaments and, you know, work with different state and federal agencies to secure grant funding to have, you know, some kind of restoration project or a habitat restoration project or a bass stocking event or, or something along those lines. So basically, that was what made up the room was the whole country's conservation directors. Some of them were familiar with aquatic plants. Some of them, you know, maybe this was the first time they'd heard anything about all of these, you know, invasive plant problems that we have. And it was a really fulfilling experience because I was done with the talk, went through this suite of national weed problems we have. And I had a line of people, you know, waiting to talk to me and ask me how you know, the Corps of Engineers could come and help them on their system. Uh, who should I talk to? Who who should I get involved? It was really cool to see that and see, okay, these folks really do care. They are paying attention and we are making an impact. Also, the other thing we did while we were there was a aquatic plant ID workshop. North Carolina State University donated 15 or 20 plant species that we were able to set up there in, in the meeting room and have everybody walk through and, and see if they could identify them. And what was funny is we had for a certain, I think it was five or 10 weeds there, we had sheets of paper and had everybody write down what they thought it was and then what they actually call it when they see it. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people, myself included, call 10 different weeds the same thing. It's either moss or grass or, you know, some general term. <laughs> so that was that was fun. Um, but it's it was a real neat group of people. And uh, we hope to continue that partnership and, and really help support their mission. Yeah, I just knew that that was something that you've recently done. And it's, it's cool to hear when we can go talk to um, outside academic uh, conferences a little bit and kind of network more with sportsmen and fishermen and uh the general public. And so that seemed like a cool opportunity for you. I know you had fun doing that. Oh yeah. It's a blast. Um, so getting back to you as a courtesy faculty member here at the center and a research scientist with the Army Corps of Engineers, what does your research program specifically focus on? We are primarily funded through the Aquatic Plant Control Research Program. It's a congressional line item. Really, we are constantly in a state of researching national needs. And that's why we have a team so that we can, um, you know, really dig into several, everybody's different specialties as they relate to the national problem. We have a, a usually a national weed problem. It's causing damage on a system or it's preventing us to navigate on that system. And we want to be able to go and manage that weed problem in the most environmentally compatible way that there is. Some of the top issues nationally that we're dealing with at the core is herbicide spray deposition and environmental fate. So what we're doing is modeling and tracing down how much of the applied herbicide is entering the environment versus how much is staying on the target plants to control them. Some of the other issues that we work on are very species or regionally specific. Another project is focused on 
management of an invasive aquatic fern, giant salvinia or salvinia molesta. It has has started to spread throughout the Mid-South and Southeast, and we have a lot of experts working on everything from biological control to potential new herbicides to control this problem. It's only been around as a problem uh, since the late 90s. So it's been around, and now we're starting to see it spread like wildfire. Another species-specific example is uh, Connecticut River hydrilla. So the Connecticut River watershed had a new, I guess, strain of uh, hydrilla. It comes out of a different genetic clade than the other hydrilla biotypes that we already have in the U.S. And it has started to spread in this, this Connecticut River watershed where we traditionally have not had problems. Uh, we want to try to understand it and know how to manage it and start managing it before it becomes a huge problem. Yeah, and spreads to other waterways up there. Right, right. What we're doing is trying to develop a, you know, management protocol to give to our boots on the ground that is science-based and is environmentally sound so that they can go and manage the plant. All federal agencies, our goal is to eliminate the problem or minimize it in an environmentally compatible way so that at the end of the day, we have alleviated the problem and we're preserving or conserving our natural resources. So aside from the national needs and your personal interest as a scientist, how would you describe your program, your research program? What does it look like? Sure. So most of most of my research is centered around aquatic herbicides, looking at application techniques, providing more selectivity to our non-targets. And, and really what that looks like is a culmination of several undergraduate and hourly workers. I have three full-time technicians and biologists and, of course, m- myself whenever I can not get in the way and help. <laughs> but the reason why we need all those people is that research program is multi-tiered. So we work in everything from a 50 milliliter beaker and looking at teeny little plant parts in the laboratory through, you know, small tanks, trash can size mesocosms, all the way to large 1200 gallon mesocosms, research ponds, and then the field. So any given time, we might have uh, one of our our crew members collecting data after a treatment on a system in Florida or Pennsylvania, Idaho, Louisiana. They're all over the place. Yeah, super cool. For for our listeners, I think for me, I think that was one of my favorite things to find out about the research done here at the center. You know, again, like Dr. Sperry said, it can happen in a tiny beaker and then it grows up into sort of, you know, tanks and... Yeah, those are 1,200-gallon aquaculture tanks. Yep, Mm -hmm. 1,200-gallon aquaculture tanks. Um, And then, yeah, and then, of course, in natural systems in the lakes and rivers in Florida, kind of seeing how that plays out in the natural system, so... Yep, yep, and we call that, uh, our internal term is operational research. So by the time a a technique or use pattern has gotten to operational scale, we don't just give up on it and say, okay... It's, it's being used. Our job's done. We go back to the beaker. We're going to follow it for several years and confirm and verify what we have been seeing at smaller scales. And, and a lot of times that's when we find out new information. And then we do need to go reset and study something that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. Kind of setting it out into the wild and seeing what happens, right? Right. Right. <laughs> So do you have a study that you've kind of been a part of that you want to describe to our listeners that's started in the beaker and kind of playing itself out into the wild now? So we've been working on a concept called intermittent pulse exposures for hydrilla management for a few years now. 
And that one we started on when I first came on board in 2019. Essentially what it is, is we're looking at exposing plants in little spurts of time. So instead of a traditional herbicide application where where we want herbicide in the water for given a period of time at a specific rate so that your overall herbicide use is much lower, less costly. And there's some evidence that we've dug up on how that might be a little bit more selective towards our non-target plants. But we have been really teasing that out in mesocosms uh, over the past couple of years. And earlier this year, we had the opportunity to go up to Lake Seminole, which is owned and operated by the Corps of Engineers. The monitoring is still going on right now. So we're we're seeing how long this treatment is going to last, how selective it is, what level of control we're going to get from it. But this is a really interesting example of science. So you think science is always on the cutting edge where we've got new products, new technology, and and there's all this exciting brand new stuff going on all the time. Well, we're actually doing all this work with a herbicide that's been registered for use and been used since the 1960s. So essentially what we're doing is figuring out a new way or a more effective way of using that same tool. Yeah. And so for our listeners, more selective in terms of it targets the plant that you want to manage and it leaves the others alone or damages them far less so that they can continue. Correct. And then also using less herbicide in general, which is not only beneficial for the environment, but again, right, cost effective for biologists and applicators who are out in the field trying to do the best job that they can. That's right. We're not using something that isn't federally registered. We're not using something that has not been used in that system before. It's not brand new. We are just applying it in a different manner in in hopes to conserve our usage, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So, Dr. Sperry, as we wrap up this conversation, what is one thing about aquatic invasive plants that you would like our listeners to leave with today? I'd say my my take-home message is, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that like plants, and all plants are good. They're green, right? But in the case of invasive plants, green is not always good. And, you know, doing, you know, for the listeners to do their own research, and understand that these plants can cause ecological harm and that they need to be managed. That is that is a very important point that we strive to get our stakeholders and the general public to understand. Thanks for listening to Working in the Weeds. Check out our show notes for more information about the topics discussed in this episode. If you have any questions or ideas for the podcast, email us at cape at ifis.ufl.edu. That's C-A-I-P at ifis.ufl.edu. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. Stay tuned for more episodes as we continue to turn science into solutions.